Hello, and thanks so much for joining us on today's episode of the Becoming Financially Fit podcast, a podcast for business owners to give you the confidence to embrace your numbers and to help you put simple practices in place to make your business financial life easier. We are here to support you as your business grows and as you become financially fit. I am your host, Stacey Price, founder and owner of Healthy Business Finances. And yes, I am a totally self-confessed numbers nerd, loud and proud, an accountant, a business owner, and someone who believes that education is the best form of self-defense. So let's do this and get stuck into today's episode. I hope you love it. Hello, and welcome to episode seven of the Becoming Financially Fit podcast, the podcast to help business owners overcome their financial fears. Today, I am sharing my own personal hints and tips on how to hire a virtual team member and not totally cock it up. Let's face it, resumes can be really, really deceiving, but getting potential team members to sit exams or aptitude tests are also often misleading, not to mention stressful. So how do you choose? How do you get it right? Where do you even start? Here's the thing. There is no one solution that will absolutely work for everyone, period. But there are still things you can all do to help you get the best candidate for the role you are offering and tip the balance of the hit and miss scales in your favor. If your business needs amazing remote staff that are there for the long haul, then this episode is going to be right up your alley. Hiring an amazing team member for your business is a huge investment. Hiring someone who will work remotely is even more daunting, especially if you are a little bit of a control freak in nature. I am too, so don't worry. I mean, how will you check things are done? How will you choose the right person if you can't meet them in real life? How can you trust someone you have only met on Zoom for 20 minutes? Gosh, the list of what ifs flying around inside your head is probably already huge and you haven't even actually started the recruitment process yet. Am I right? Okay, so let's break it down. I currently have four remote employees who have been remote ever since they first started with Healthy Business Finances. So how did I go about it? What do I look for? And what are the red flags? Let's dive in and chat about what has worked for me and also what hasn't, as those tips are probably the most valuable. First up, can we talk about the recruitment process? Yes, it absolutely is a process and should be treated as one. If you have just woken up today thinking, I need to hire someone, better start advertising, then you have already missed a step or two. The first step before working out the how or the who is you need to work out what role you actually need to fill. Sounds pretty obvious, right? But so many people get this wrong and therefore they hire the wrong person with the wrong skills for the need that they are actually trying to fill. For example, we coach a lot of other bookkeeping business owners and the first thing they often say to me is, Stacey, I need another bookkeeper. I have work flowing out my, you know what? So I ask them, are they really sure that is exactly what they need? Of course they say yes. So I get them to write down for a whole day everything they do, minute by minute, to see where their time is really going. And lo and behold, in most cases, 80% of their day is spent doing non-billable work and work they are not experts at, but more importantly, work they don't enjoy. 
It could be things like email management, document management, booking appointments, social media, newsletters, managing existing staff, developing policies and procedures, training. Gosh, even I'm exhausted listening to that list. But what it identifies to them is having another bookkeeper won't help with any of those tasks. In that particular case, they need perhaps a practice manager or an office manager or an admin assistant, certainly not another bookkeeper. Understanding your bottlenecks is your biggest and most important initial task. So sit down and spend the time working out what tasks you need someone to do. What are the gaps in your business right now? Take the job title out of the equation for now so that it doesn't bias your decisions. What tasks do you need help with? And be specific. So don't just write admin tasks. You need to break it down. Is it email management? Diary management? Is it returning customer calls? Is it managing a CRM? By being specific at this stage, it flows through to so much more. You are basically writing a job description without even realising it. You are generating a list of all the skills candidates need to have. That could be technical, personal, software related. Plus, you are also indicating the workload required. You might be actually quite surprised that something you thought could take 10 hours a week could take much more once you see that massive list of tasks you have written. Once you have those skill sets, you ultimately have a job description. However, you should factor in a few more things for the job description to really try and find the ideal candidate once you start advertising. You want to provide a little bit of information about your business, but not too much. You want the candidates to investigate a bit for themselves to show initiative. You want to provide some information about the expected time frame and specific days required if some tasks are date sensitive. That way, you eliminate as many time wasters as possible who can't actually commit to the exact needs of the role. As well as the technical skills required, hopefully you've already covered that when writing the job description, suggest some of those soft skills you are after. And by that, I mean communication skills, problem-solving skills, self-starter, multitasker, as much as I hate that word. Customize this list to the role you have in front of you. For example, we often tell potential candidates that they need to love working in a fast-paced environment with twists and turns at the drop of a hat and deal with extremely challenging situations on a daily basis, and they have to manage that. Sure, that is not a sexy part of the job description, but by being completely honest up front, we get people who apply who feel they can do the job justice. We get candidates who feel they tick all the boxes and won't be stunned or surprised once they start the role and realize it's not for them. Surprises during the recruitment process are never good. Once you have the role and the job description ready, where do you actually advertise? Now, this is where it can vary drastically based on your business and the skill set you are after. But I encourage you to think about where you would most likely find your ideal candidate. Are they trade-based and perhaps you need to get in contact with some apprentice agencies to see who they have on their list? If they are junior roles, perhaps a local university might have a jobs board. 
If they are more senior roles and quite technical, would the candidates be on LinkedIn? If the role is industry-based, are there Facebook groups you can advertise in? Can you advertise on your own social media channels and attract someone that already loves your brand? As our roles are all part-time here at Healthy Business Finances, we avoid SEEK and we head straight to Working Parents Connect, which is a job platform specifically designed for flexible and part-time work. We know that will give us the best shot at finding someone who only wants and needs part-time work. So we're eliminating people who are genuinely looking for full-time work because that's not what we're after. Advertise where you will find the best fit. It certainly is not a one-size-fits-all situation. There is no point advertising at university if you are looking for someone with 10 years experience. You simply won't find them there. There is no point advertising on LinkedIn for a junior part-time role with no experience required. That's not where they hang out. Connect the dots between the role, the hours on offer, the skills, and the ideal candidate. That is where you need to place the job ad. But the recruitment process doesn't just end once the job ad is placed. Whilst you are sitting back and waiting for the ideal applicant to fall into your lap, you need to work out what your non-negotiables are to narrow down the applicants who do apply. What are your deal breakers? Be honest with yourself. This is your business after all. So for example, I recently placed an ad for a bookkeeper to join our team. And one of my non-negotiables was anyone who said they were responding to my Seek job ad. They were out. We don't use Seek to recruit and it shows me their attention to detail is not what I am after. They simply wouldn't last in our fast-paced, detail-orientated business. Anyone who responded to the ad saying, Dear Sir, was out for obvious reasons. And trust me, we had a bucket load of those. Anyone who didn't supply a resume and covering letter was out. A resume for me is great, but a covering letter tailored to the job on offer tells me so much more about someone. Plus, we asked for both as part of the application process. So again, attention to detail, things like laziness and the inability to follow instructions was already a concern. You need to be strict on those non-negotiables. I mean, I think we advertised last month and we had about 40 applicants in the first four days. I only wanted to interview about four people initially to hopefully cull that down to two to head into a Zoom meeting. So we have to be strict and cull people based on what was important to me. So that was attention to detail, telling me why they really wanted to work with us. Again, this was outlined in the job ad and we wanted to see some personality. Yes, we are bookkeepers and accountants, but we also like to have fun. So we will never hire anyone with some generic, churned out covering letter that has no soul. So once you get those applications, how on earth do you manage the volume and the fast pace that you need to turn that around into an interview process? Well, Trello was my best friend. We have a complete Trello board set up that just related to this particular bookkeeping role that we were hiring for. All applicants were put into columns, notes were written, resumes and cover letters uploaded. We had emails formatted and ready to go for those who did and didn't progress through the interview process. It was a complete system. I treat my recruitment like anything else. It is not a haphazard thing. It is a system to find the best result for our business. 
So what really stands out for me in a cover letter or a resume? What really grabs my attention? People who have stalked me or our business and used my name, they get a massive tick. If they have written something that is clear to me they have found out off their own bat, another massive tick. I mean, it's not hard to stalk the business who has placed a job ad, but around 50% of people had no idea who we were or anything about us. That is a massive concern. I want people to show me they can think for themselves and be proactive. And besides that, how do they even know they want to work with us? How do they know they would be the right fit? Why are they applying for a job they know nothing about? Another big tick for me is honesty. We have a lot of people apply for jobs with us who have been work-at-home parents, and they almost try to hide that fact on their resume. As someone who employs four working parents, five if I include myself, if there is ever someone who is understanding of parental leave, it is us. One lady put her job title as home manager while she was a stay-at-home mum, and she was the first one we shortlisted for an interview. She even listed skills she learnt during that time. It made me laugh, so she got another big tick for that. We also look for people who have had a career change, but have told us why. As someone who has worked at a ski resort in America, a summer camp in America, a tour guide leader in Europe, and had many career midlife crises, I get it. List those things. All those things have really valuable skills to offer, no matter what role you're applying for. When we look at a resume, yes, we are looking for skills, but we are also looking for other things you choose to put in that resume. Tell me something about yourself. Tell me something that the skills don't tell me. There are also things we avoid. Red flags for us, absolutely, are hyped up wording on phrases and resumes. Things that just don't sound genuine or sound overinflated to try and impress us. Stock standard cutting and pasting of phrases from what they have Googled in sample templates just won't fly. Keep it simple. If you confuse me, you're out. It just becomes too hard. And one that I hate to admit it, but I totally need to, is spelling. Now, I know I shouldn't judge spelling as I totally suck at it, but when people spell my name or my business name wrong, that just really irks me as it's so easily found. It's usually in the job description. It's in the email we ask you to send the information to. It's on our website. It's on our social media. It is everywhere. And I guess the concern that comes with this is that they won't spend the time to email clients with the right name or right details. And we just can't have that in our business. Once I have my short list of candidates and my pretty Trello board is all organised, I first of all have a phone interview with the selected candidates. Again, Trello is my BFF here as I have a list of questions already lined up to ask them. There is nothing worse than conducting an interview on the fly and having awkward pauses or not asking the right types of questions. It's a massive waste of time for me, but it also gives the candidate a pretty ordinary impression of the business that they have applied for a job with. In the initial interview, I don't ask very many technical questions. I mean, I don't even know if they will be the right fit yet, so why go that far? I want to know more about them, how they work, how they think, how they thrive, and more importantly, why they want to work for us, us specifically. 
If they can't answer that last question, chances are they actually don't want to work with us and they just see us as a job. Whereas I want our team to see us as so much more than that. Notes and things to think about from those interviews are all populated in Trello whilst the interview is happening. So there's no double handling of information and better yet, no need to understand my handwriting later on as I pass that to our office manager to decipher. Those who make it to the next stage will be scheduled a Zoom meeting. I personally find it so much easier to communicate and get a feel about someone by reading their facial expressions. So this part is absolute gold for me. If they are not willing to turn their camera on during the Zoom meeting, it definitely would be a red flag for me. In the Zoom interview, we go through more technical-based questions and scenarios about how they would deal with blah, whatever blah is. That could be a particular client incident. It could be a situation that has arisen internally. It could be the government throwing out new legislation and economic stimulus packages at the drop of a hat. Again, these questions are all listed in Trello so the interview can go as smoothly as possible. Whilst at this stage, I'm looking and really interpreting the answers, what I'm also doing is interpreting how we would work together. How do they think on their feet? How would they slot in with our existing team? Would we have personality clashes with either staff or clients? Are they willing to be invested in our brand? I've even organised for one of my other employees to call me on my mobile during an interview, and I've asked the candidate if they mind if I answer the phone, as it could be a client emergency knowing full well it won't be, just so I can see how they handle the awkwardness, the interruption and settling back into the interview afterwards. You can get so much out of an interview other than the actual answers the candidate directly provides. I'm looking for their attitude. I can't train for attitude. I can certainly train for skills, but changing someone's attitude towards work clients and expectations is simply not worth my time and stress. It just won't work for me. In the interview, pay attention to if the candidate is willing to expand on their answers. Do they ask you questions? Are they interested to know more about the business? Are they looking around bored? Are they fidgeting? Although nerves could be really high, so we don't completely rule that out. Do they care or know about the other staff you have? Have they shown an interest in the clients or specific tasks? An interview for me is not a one-way street. If it seems that way, chances are that is not the right person for us. Now, if you are tempted to hire friends or family, and I have done both, I play by the exact same rules as if I was hiring a random stranger. Sounds harsh, but it's still a business decision and should be treated with exactly the same thought as anyone else. If they don't really want to be part of my team, part of my brand, and in it for the long haul, I simply know in my gut it's not the right decision. So let's not waste time trying to make a square peg fit into a round hole. Remember that a resume is just a list of skills verified by nobody at this point in time. So if skills play a huge part in the role on offer, please do your reference checks. They are vital. Again, if you go down this path, have specific questions to ask the referee and don't rely on them to give you a preconceived spiel. You will get a much better indication if they have to reply to something that they are not expecting. Once you narrow down the applicants, most times, I probably should say, in fact, every time I should have trusted my gut. One time I didn't and it simply didn't work out. 
Finding the right person, that hidden gem to be part of your team is hard, more so if they are offering a remote position. But the amount of effort you put into the recruitment process will show in the results or the outcome of that process. Put the hard yards in early and have your business reap the rewards. So there you have it, why hiring remote team members doesn't stress me out. In fact, by embracing a remote workforce, I get to choose the absolute best candidate as the net for finding that pure gem to join my team is Australia-wide. True, I am certainly no HR expert, but by being super organised in advance and genuinely hiring on attitude over skills, any fears are put on the back burner and in my gut, I know the people on my team will slot in seamlessly. I hope you've loved listening to today's episode of the Becoming Financially Fit podcast. We are all at different stages in our business life, at different levels in our money confidence, and we all have different needs. However, our goals are all along the same path. To learn, to grow, and to succeed in our journey of becoming financially fit. For more tips and advice, you can follow our journey on Facebook and Instagram. Just search for Healthy Business Finances, or you can also search all episodes of our podcast at www.becomingfinanciallyfit.com.au.